Welcome to part two of Investing 101 with our good friend, Wendell Fant. We're going to continue the conversation and dive into long-term investments, credit, credit cards. Oh my God. As Wendell said, rich folks don't worry about points. (laughs) Get rid of those credit cards if possible. You don't need them. They're designed to keep us in debt. We also have some questions from the audience that was sent in that Wendell will be addressing. So stay tuned. Part two. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. If time allows it, we did address some questions from the audience. Do you have time to do a couple more questions for us today? Let's do it. Okay. Lisa um, from Brooklyn, she sent over a couple of questions about credit, and I'm not sure if that's your expertise, um, but she had specific um, questions about credit consolidation, mm-hmm. loans, and credit cards. She wanted to know if she has a, a high balance on her credit card, say like 20K, mm-hmm. and she wanted to get rid of that high debt just to clean up her credit report, make it look nice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think the better approach would be to take out a personal loan to pay down the credit card balance to get everything lower to increase her credit score? Or should she just try to pay down as much credit card debt as she can without taking out a personal loan. Because I think she's talking about loan consolidation when you get those envelopes Mm -hmm. in the mail. They say, oh, transfer this over for blah, blah, blah percent at 0% for 14 months. I think that's what she means, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. So so interest rates works for you or against you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you want a high interest rate when it's your money, right? When you're investing. Right. You want to get low as possible when they're taking it from you, right? When those business partners show up every single month, they want their money plus that interest. And so I would, I would tell her, you know, one, you know, this, this is out of my range when it comes to the credit and all of that. Mm -hmm. However, part of what we do is a financial needs analysis. And so we would take those dollars, take the interest rate, take the payment, and I'll put it in my computer, and it would give us the most effective way to pay those, uh, you know, that debt off, right? And so that that would be the first thing, right? So we would look at that. What does it look like? The next thing I would say, all right, well, which one is higher, right? If you take that personal loan, what's the interest rate? If it's going to be 10%, and right now you got 7%, then no, right? Uh-huh. So we just got to create a plan. So whatever the lowest number is, you know, if 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 she was had to definitely do that route, I would say, all right, this is the way we want to make sure that we can pay the least amount of money. Uh, beyond that, I would tell her, you know, let's figure out not just that particular thing, but all of your debt. Mm-hmm. And let's just see what it's going to look like and how soon we could pay that debt off. And then the credit will take care of itself. Right. So it's, this this requires some discipline. You know, you got to have the discipline to know that, hey, you know, this it, I'm trying to get to retirement now. Right. And I certainly don't want to have dollars going. You know, I don't want to have twenty thousand dollars that I don't need to have going into retirement. I did. When the last year, I would say like a year and a half from today, like I I was twenty one thousand dollars in debt. Twenty one thousand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't tell my mom, guys. Don't snitch. <laughs> 21K, I got it down. That same credit card is down to 5000 I don't know how I did it, but I did it. But like you said, it's dedication. A certain amount of my check, I said, this right. is going to go here. And I just, the extra things that I didn't need, I just right. cut it out and I got that debt down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, 
So you know it works, right? And, right. And so your audience can, you know, can have comfort in knowing, hey, you know, you did it. Mm-hmm. They can do it, right? Because it's 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 certainly doable. It was a challenge, but I it, did. It I certainly did is. It. Yeah, <laughs> it, it certainly would be a challenge, you know. But but you had to just and you had a goal and you had a plan and you worked it down. So part B to her question, mm-hmm. um, she's saying if she wanted to do a, a home renovation, mm-hmm. is it better to take out a loan for the work instead of putting it on a credit card? I think like you just touched you touched on this already. Wh- whoever has the lowest interest rate. But I think her ask is which one will impact her credit score more? But doesn't that just depend on, hey, whatever you take out, just pay the bill on time each month. It doesn't really matter which avenue you choose, credit card or personal loan, just make sure you pay the bill. Just make sure you pay the bill. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter, right? So which one's going to have the easiest terms on her? Which one can she pay off the fastest and, you know, and be done with it, right? So I do know that if she get a second mortgage, you can write off the interest, but mm-hmm. you know, even with that, I kind of tell people, would you rather, you know, get a tax break on your mortgage or would you rather not have a mortgage at all, right? So Right, when right. you look at the numbers, if your mortgage is $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 a year that you can save versus, you know, getting a, you know, two or $3,000 credit, you know, so, right. so, so the difference is, you know, is, is building your wealth, right? Not, uh, you know, just, just accumulating and, um, you're just paying off things uh, because it's comfortable. Hmm. Now, this is interesting because I just to add on to, to Lisa's question, I actually just paid off a high interest credit card. I think it was like 27%. I didn't even know when I took it out the time, but I've never been late. Mm-hmm. Paid it, paid the whole thing off. And um, I'm the type of person, just like how I check the stock market, I check my credit score every month. I have TransUnion and another, I think the other one is um, Equifax. I paid this card off last month. And mm-hmm. my credit score, my my Equifax credit score dropped two points. I haven't applied for any credit or anything. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that, I don't know why it dropped. I, like I said, I've been paying down all of my debt. Do you think, I mean, should I close that account now that it's paid off? I mean, if they're dropping my credit score anyway for paying off the card, why not close it? I mean, I've had the card for like, I think maybe seven years and I don't even use it. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if yeah. I should cut it because one of my credit cards, I have like a 20 year history. So I'm definitely not going to close that one once it it comes down but i'm just curious like it's a catch-22 because if you pay off your debt they lower your credit Mm -hmm. score like it's up and down like the stock market i don't get it like either you want me to have credit or you don't you want me to use it or you don't want me to use it it's so frustrating right it it is you know if you didn't pay it off in the terms that they set it may lower right so you you say just gonna take a year to pay it off you paid it off in six months yeah so i i would i don't think there's a difference in if you go buy a car if if your credit score is is just seven eighty and it drops down two points, I don't think it's going to affect you. you know? It's not that bad. I, I need to stop like overanalyzing <laughs> my credit score. But you're doing what you're <laughs> supposed to do, right? So you're doing what you're supposed to. Then it then it drops, right? You're doing everything that everything right, right it still drops. Yeah, it's like they want us to stay in debt. They'll, stay in debt. Right. We'll give you more credit. Right, right. And you know, and and one of the the biggest frustrations when I'm teaching uh, my students, the first thing they want to know about finances is how do I get a credit card or how do I build credit. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Don't even worry about that, right? So you're not even there yet. Let's talk about building wealth, right? And so let's talk about building something that you don't have to worry about getting a credit card for. Credit cards are important because, you know, if if you're traveling, you you, you, kind of need one, right? Right, right. So, so, you know, we got to be smart about how we use those things. And I say, if you can use it and, you know, people say they want to get points. Okay, fine. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, we look at the super wealthy. I don't think they worry about points, right? So (laughs) they don't actually. 
Yeah, so it's a big part of what we have to do is change our mindset. So, so we're thinking broke terms, and and you know, I'm I'm not I'm certainly not down on anyone or or you know looking down on anyone, but you know, if we want to be debt free, we have to change the way we think, right? Right. And so we've got to think like those individuals that make money. If if, uh, uh-huh. if any of your audience ever read the the book uh, Cash Flow Quadrant, right? Uh, ESB and I, you got the on the left side, you got the self employed and uh-huh. the uh, um, well, I'm sorry, uh, ES. B and I, uh, self-employed and employee. And then on the right side, you got the business owner and the investor, right? Everybody wants to be on the right side, but everybody thinks like the left side, right? Uh, employee and self, and self, uh, self, a, a self business, right? They got that. But the business side, you got nine on the right side, you got 95% of the people. I'm sorry, you got on the right side, you got 5% of the people making 95% of the money. And on the left side, I wish I could draw this out for you. But on the left side, you got 95% of the people fighting over 5% of the money, right? So we've got to change our thinking and get to that right side, you know, a business owner and investor Mm -hmm. where, you know, our investments is bringing us enough money where we don't have to work or you have a business that you don't have to sit there eight hours a day, you got people helping you build that business. So right. you know, part of this is changing the mindset or, or I, our expectations of, of what money is and, and, and thinking about not making money, but building wealth because everybody can make money. Yes. It's when we build wealth is when we make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. So our next question is from Tiffany in San Antonio. She's a friend to the show. Tiffany wants to know what percentage of your net pay should go into your savings account per paycheck? Hey, thanks for that question, Tiffany. So I'll look at it like this. Uh, so I'm assuming she's talking about saving and not investing. Yes. And when I look at that, uh, and, and if, you know, let's, I say three to six months of your income should be, you know, should, that's what you should have in savings, right? We need to get there. If she's got that and she's comfortable with that. So now we can start redirecting some of those dollars, but to answer her question specifically, it just depends on how fast she wants to get there, uh-huh. or how comfortable she is putting a certain amount of money in there. If she wants to split up her investments uh, and say, Hey, I'm going to put 5% in investments and 5% in savings until I get there, I'll do it that route. But, uh, you know, however you get there, I, I don't want to say a certain percentage, uh, and, and that's a hard number, but however you get there, figure out uh, what it costs to run your household a month times six, and that's the number that you should have in your savings, right? So however you get there, whether it's 10, 15%, if you can do that much, mm-hmm. do that, right? But oh, wow. I never knew that, that number. Yeah, yeah. Three, three to six months of, of living expenses. And sometimes we need a little bit more because- we don't always have those jobs to follow in our laps, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a, I don't know if maybe I have too many accounts. I have two checking accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a savings and I have a money market. And then I just started investing. I did the money market because the interest rate is a little bit higher than my regular savings account, but it doesn't really make me that much money. So that's why I'm like, mm, let me right. put, so I took half of that and I put it mm-hmm. in the stock market. <laughs> so okay. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. So, um, so is one, uh, like a business checking and then a personal checking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so that's fine. Uh, if you put money in a money market in the savings, I have both. We're not trying to break the bank. <laughs> it's right. just a placeholder for money. And so when we when we put dollars in a savings or a money market, money markets really aren't paying that much right now. Right. They're, They're not. not really aren't paying that much right now. It's real but low. Again, 
Yeah, the purpose is, you know, for me, is a placeholder. You don't want, you don't want to risk those dollars. That's what I think of it as. Exactly. I'm like, this is my safe spot, not putting it under my mattress. This is much safer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to be honest with you, you could probably put it under your mattress, you know, be just. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right You're now, right. what they're paying, you know, but but here, here's where the, the problem may be, you know, I have a client and I've got some of her uh, some of her dollars. She she gave me a small amount. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. a really small amount. And she's got uh, the bulk of hers. I'm gonna say less than probably one percent of her. She gave me one percent. She gave me that to work with, and then she put the rest in the bank. Right? She put it in this given point uh, point point four two percent, point four five percent. And it did absolutely nothing. I mean, it did absolutely uh-uh. nothing. The portion that she gave me outperformed. So, so let me just give you the numbers. 2,500 versus 73,000. That's what she gave me, 2,500. And it outperformed those dollars that were wow. still in right? And so, when, when, so the problem becomes when she's investing, right? That, this is, she rolled an IRA. Oh, I mean, she rolled it into an IRA. And so when you got your IRA doing that, at that point in time, you're really just paying the bank to keep your money. Wow. Yeah, so it's just important. So I, I think what you got is okay because one's business, one's checking, mm-hmm. uh, and you're not trying to break the bank with a savings account. So it has a purpose, Mm-mm. right? So it has a purpose. Um, you're okay with that, yeah. yeah. So moving right, moving um, along to the next question, we have two questions from Ray from um, Illinois. Um, I'm not sure. Are you well versed with it? He's asking about estates in um, probate. Are you familiar with that? That's out of my wheelhouse. However, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I'm sitting, someone asked me a question about that. So, so ask a question and, and I, and, and, and I made your yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first question he's asking is when dealing with an estate, is it more beneficial to go through a probate or is it better off to avoid probate court? So I can tell you that it's always better to avoid probate. Here's why, <laughs> because it's going to talk for the longest <laughs> end, right? You're making the attorneys rich at that point in time. Yes, I so, kind of told him the same thing. I'm like, uh, they're in for for they're gonna stretch it out as long as they can. Right, right. Yeah. So so you certainly don't wanna, you know, have to go into probate. Okay. So that was a quick answer. Um <laughs> <laughs> the next one is um, what advice can you provide for someone? Um, this is also from Ray. What yeah. advice can you provide for someone who is financially strapped because of COVID-19? Mm-hmm. Um should he invest in the stock market now for extra income? If so, how much is doing too much? Like if he's like, you know what? I do have a little money. I don't have that much because, you know, it's unstable right now in certain times, but I kind of want to dip my toe into the stock market. Mm-hmm. How much is doing too much? How, what's the amount? I told him, 500 is a good starting place, but that might be too much. What do you think about that? 500 bucks? Mm-hmm. Just to start. Right. So, so, so 500, uh, 500 is a good start, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at the same time, if you're going to put that 500, you want to be consistent, right? You want to keep, right. you know, keep, because 500, I mean, it can grow. However, you know, it won't grow like, like that, right? It won't grow right. Uh, so you want to continue to be consistent and continue to invest uh, that. And if he's looking for extra income from those dollars uh-huh. and, and, and being practical and honest. Uh, yeah, that's his goal, extra income. Okay. So how much does he want to get per month? 
right? Uh -huh. uh, if and, and I can tell you, just about three hundred thousand dollars, taking about four percent a year, would get you about nine hundred bucks a month. Right? Wow, that's that's three hundred k, right? So so that's you know that's a number. Even when you're taking those dollars out, you want to be strategic. Right. So right. let's look at this and I'll, I'll, I'll be pithy as I can. Right. So uh, so um, uh, you got three hundred thousand dollars out and you want to make sure that those dollars can last your mm -hmm. lifetime. So the, 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 the range is about four to five percent. And you don't want to do more than that, because at, if, if you go over that now, if that fund is still performing at 10 percent and you're taking out six or, or, you know, if you're taking out more than it's performing, uh -huh. then, you know, you're taking out principal and not just interest, right? So if, if you take out four to 5%, it earns 10%, right? You still didn't take out every, you know, everything that it earns. So you're just taking interest. You're not, you're not touching principal. And right. so you're good, right? So you want to be strategic on how you take those dollars out as well. Got it. Okay. Right? And, and so that, that would be a more of an individual. Let's sit down and talk because that can go a little uh -huh. deep, right? Right. Um, yeah. So, so that would be an individual conversation, uh, but you just want to be strategic when you take those dollars out. Okay, that, that was a good answer, Wendell. <laughs> so the next question is from me, your homegirl. Okay, yeah. this is a silly question, I know, but what is the difference between overvalued and undervalued stock? And what does this mean exactly? When I see a stock that's listed as overvalued, I pass mm -hmm. it by. Should right. I only purchase stock when it's undervalued? Because I, my thing is, if it's undervalued, say stock, the stock is like $5 mm -hmm. and I buy 10 shares, but they're saying it's undervalued, meaning everyone else doesn't know, but this is about to blow up. This is how I look at it. I don't know if that's a good analogy. But that's, a great, that's a great analogy, right? Because that, there's when it's undervalued, there's opportunity. When it's overvalued, they think it's overpriced, right? So that stock shouldn't mm -hmm. be selling that, you know, at X number of dollars. And right. this company is overrated, right? And, and so, so you're exactly right. You're spot on, you know, without having to go too deep into it. But that is mm -hmm. spot on. But okay. I wouldn't really look for that because, you know, now you got to kind of dig in the weeds. And yeah, I look through all of that. That's I think that's my problem because I think I over-research and I depend on websites to say, oh, how is this stock doing? And I try to look at the company. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, did they make money? How right. much money is the company? Are they in debt? Like, I don't know if I'm just overthinking it or maybe I'm smart to do that because who wants to invest in a company that's going to tank? Like, they're not right. doing good. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, no one wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, you you again, you know, look at, you know, look at long-term uh -huh. and I, I know I keep saying it, but you know, maybe that's, that's the phrase for me for today is yeah, long-term, long yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, getting in and getting out, you know, that's a different strategy, but, you know, again, if that, if that's a solid company and uh -huh. you feel good about that product and you're purchasing that product, you know, it's, I, I think it's okay to, you know, to purchase it. Right. So, uh, so, so I, I would just keep that in mind, you know, as you're looking, you, you're probably a, a little bit deeper <laughs> in the research than, than the average investor, because the average investor is not going to ask about um, undervalued, yeah. overvalued, uh, PE ratios and all of that. So, so, so that, yeah. that, that, that's a deep dive. <laughs> yeah. And um, circling to uh, another question, it's a listener um, from DC who, from DC who didn't um, give a name. What is the fastest way to remove a settled debt from, from my credit report? I paid it off two years ago, but it still appears on my report. Yeah, uh, the, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think there's a fast way. You know, it's gonna be on there several years. 
Uh, and then, you know, it's going to, but, you know. Even if it's settled, can't they like write in or call, like write the company and say, hey, dude, like I paid you. Or does it still sit for seven years? It, it can sit for seven years. You, you can try to remove it. You know, again, that's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. However, mm-hmm. you can try to remove it. But, you know, when you when you have a relationship with someone that you're trying to establish credit from, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. see that and say, hey, this is paid off for two, you know, that, that's been paid off two years ago. We know you're good now, right? Right. And so when when individuals sit and, and talk about finances and, and building wealth, right? So one, one thing, you want to have a relationship with your banker. You want to have a relationship with an attorney. You want to have a relationship with your advisor, your financial advisor. You know, so you want to have a relationship with all those individuals. So you're not going in and they're just not looking at a piece of paper, right? When you go right. and apply for credit, you know, if you got that relationship there, when you go and apply for that credit, they're going to see, okay, yeah, I, I, I can co-sign on this. Uh, because this individual has been paying, you know, for for an X number of years, okay. and that's history, right? That's that's old news now. I think we have just like um, two more questions. Yeah. And that, of course, me with my crazy mind, I have another question for you. It's kind of like a a, a, a two parter. So, is it okay to use some of my four hundred one k to invest in the stock market? Also, the second part of that is why is my, four, okay, so my 401k, I look in every paycheck and I look and see how my 401k is doing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed that on my 401k, the losses are low. Like I have a lot of positives. Like it's, it's I'm always making money on my, my 401k, but mm-hmm. when I invest in the stock market, everything's red. I'm like, okay, so if the stock market is red, that means my 401k is red. But no, when I look at my 401k, I'm making money. Mm-hmm. So is there a way for me to look and see what stocks my 401k sit in? Like, can I set my personal portfolio up the same way as my job portfolio? Because they making money over there and I want to make some money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how is that possible? <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, some stocks may be up, some may be down, right? So mm-hmm. it just depends on what type of industry, what what market, you know. So so today, uh, auto may be doing good and, and um, you know, grocery stores may be doing bad, right? So, right. so you can see some red, you can see some green, which is, you know, which is fine. Um, you know, the, the, the Dow could go down and be in all red, but you don't have any of those stocks. So uh, in your portfolio. So yours could be, you know, SP could go up, you know, so, uh-huh. so it's a number of reasons why you see red and, and green all at the same time. Should an individual use some of their 401k to invest in the stock market? I'm uh-huh. going to say probably not. And here's why, because the 401k is in the market. Uh-huh. If they want to purchase individual stock, open up a brokerage account. And uh-huh. then once they open up that brokerage account, just buy the individual stock, you know, you could purchase, you could, you could open up a brokerage IRA, you know, Roth or traditional, uh-huh. you can open that up and get the same effect. So, you know, um, so I wouldn't take money out of the 401k. So don't touch the 401k because that's bad. Right. Not, certainly not for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Don't touch it for that. Well, you know, you don't want to touch it anyway, but yeah. So you, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing. And if you take a distribution, now you're going to have the same problem uh, mm. or the same issue as, uh, I think it was Maria. Maria, yeah. Yeah, tax that 20% because you took a distribution and you're going to put it back into something yeah. that's not qualified. So yeah. That doesn't know. make sense on my part. Okay. So we do have one last question um, from Drew, who's um, also a, f- a friend to the show. He wanted to know, what is the difference between whole life insurance and term life insurance. I think we might have touched a little bit on term life insurance um, earlier, 
Mm-hmm. And um, that's the first part of the question, his question. And he said, why should customers go to Primerica? Hmm. Yeah. 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 The million dollar question, right? Yes. You're yeah. waiting for that one, right? I'm waiting for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So a whole life versus term. Whole life policy has a cash value uh, component associated with it, right? And it's like, you're going to pay for two things, but you're going to get one. Uh-huh. And so, and, and, and I'm going to generalize because again, you know, for me to look in those policies to, you know, to make a uh-huh. determination, I would need to see exactly what's going on. But when I look into a whole life policy, it's going to have a cash component to it. And I'm putting money into a life insurance policy. And I'm also putting money into a sub account, right? Which those dollars are going into some type of an investment, right? Uh-huh. And let's just fast forward. I got it today. Fast forward uh, 15 years. I got some cash value built up in it. Uh, and let's just say it's $25,000 and I got a policy for $200,000. Should I die, my beneficiary will only get the $200,000 and the insurance company is going to keep that, that cash value portion, whatever's in there, that $25,000, they're going to keep that. Right? Uh-huh. Or you know, if you take a loan from that, let's say you take a loan, a $25,000 loan, you got a $200,000 life insurance policy and you take a loan and you die the next day. Oh. Your beneficiary will get $175,000. Now you're paying for $200,000 worth of life insurance. Right. You're taking your money, right? And helping pay for that, that the, the face amount of that policy, $200,000, right? When actually they should get $225,000. A term policy, you can buy term and then you invest the difference, right? So you got a you got a you got a life insurance policy and you got an investment. If you die, your beneficiaries get both, no questions asked, right? Mm, okay. And so you know it's it's kind of like um, uh, if you go to Burger King, I'm I'm not shouting out Burger King, but if you go there <laughs> and, and you get the Whopper meal and they leave your fries out, you're upset, right? You right. Pay things and you got one. Right. You you got the meal, but you you pay for the meal, but you got only got the burger. Right. right. And so if we are upset about that, we should be upset about twenty, thirty thousand dollars that that company would keep. And again, you know, uh, that would be an individual basis that I would need to look at to make sure mm-hmm. that what's going on with that policy. But that's the difference. Right. So term is for a specific amount of time. Hold. They say it's you know, it's 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 lifetime. But the cost of insurance goes up every year. Uh, you know, and you're and, and you're putting in a certain amount. Uh, so, so it's it's a deeper dive, but that's essentially how it, how it works. Okay. Now, um, why should people go to Primerica for all of their insurance and investment needs? So the the main reason you want to go is one, we're going to educate you, right? And when mm-hmm. uh, so after we educate you, we're not going to take your money just to be taking money, and we want to make sure that we educate you properly, protect you, and help you invest. There's a relationship there that I work with my clients, right? So if, if they like me, they'll do business with me. Our goal, again, is to help families make money, make money, protect them, and, and you know, get them properly in, uh, invested. So that's the goal. There's a relationship there, which is, which is really important. Because if I'm doing, um, if I call a company, and, I, and I, won't, I won't call a particular one, but if I call company A, and now I'm talking to John, and I tell John, hey, this is my situation. First, I had to wait for, you know, 20 minutes to get on the phone. And then when I talked to John, it, the, the information just didn't seem too right, right? So I called mm-hmm. back and I get something different from John. I mean, I'm sorry, from Susan, right? So right. now I've got two different things and now I'm an hour into this thing. I'm invested in an hour and there's no relationship. They don't really know me. 
it's a transaction. And so when you're dealing with your money, you want more than just a transaction. You want you don't money. want to be another number. You want personal effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you want to make sure that I know you and I understand your goals and what you're trying to achieve. The next reason is you don't have to have $250,000 to sit down with me. I'll sit down with you, whether you got $25 a month or $25 million. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the same professional service regardless of how much you got. Now, I know right. somebody with $10 million may want a little extra personal service. You know, I'll call them, you know, mm-hmm. I'll call them and you'll talk to them a little bit more. But, you know, but but the ones with 25 bucks a month should expect the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this place that I'm dealing with, I'm not going to shout them out, but I mm-hmm. had a question. I mean, they have a pretty good platform where you can, it answers a lot of your questions. But I called up because I had a specific question And they were like, oh, I can set you up to speak with so-and-so, but, and I'm like setting up the appointment and like, oh, wait a minute, you have to have X amount of dollars to speak to one of our professionals one-on-one. I said, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So that went, I was like, you guys, I tell you. So, (laughs) so I understand what you mean about the personalization. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all the questions that we have from our audience. And I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to share your knowledge and to educate us about finance and future and wills and everything else. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. Well, well, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me and I appreciate the opportunity, opportunity to share with your audience and uh, if they would like to reach out, have further questions. Yes, I- that was my question. Like, how can um, the listeners contact you for like a private consultation to work with you about hear more about your services? Absolutely. So uh, I give my number 704-575-3812. Again, 704-575-3812. Or they can email me at Wendell Fant, W-E-N-D-E-L-L. F is in Frank, A N T is in Tom, Wendell Fant at hotmail.com. And I'll be glad to, uh, to assist. Thank you. If you like, I can also drop your email address in the description box. I don't know if you want me to put your number. Well, your number is going to be out there anyway, but I can, <laughs> I can put your information in the notes so that people can contact you. And, and the 10 best tips for beginning investors, I'll drop the link as well in case anyone's Um, wants to check that out and that's it thank you so much and i hope that if anyone comes back with any if you have any more questions please reach out to window he's really good he knows what he's doing you're going to be successful if you work with him i appreciate that you're you're absolutely right yeah and it's fine Uh, my number's fine that's this okay so there you have it folks I don't know about you, but my head is still spinning from this conversation. Stocks, bonds, investments, life insurance, credit cards, credit. Oh my God. If you're anything like me, I already listened to this episode like three times already. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Tell a friend, subscribe. We'll be like virtual BFFs. Give my friend Wendell a call. All of his information is in the description box. If this is your first time joining, welcome to Vintage Dialogue Radio, and thank you for listening. And if you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so that you never miss a thing. 
What topics do you want to talk about in the future? I'm sure you have plenty of questions for my guests. So don't forget to drop a comment, ask a question, and leave a review. You never know. I could actually call upon you to be a special guest on my show. All of the information about this episode is in the description box, along with the email and links to my blog, website, and more. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time.